don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo. And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds. The future is already here, it's just not very evenly distributed. We were joined by Robin Shaw and Theo Gentili, who are co-founders and directors of Warm Street, a culture-driven agency which aims to connect brands with communities through music. Yes, for every nothing beats a Londoner, there is a tissue company trying to sponsor an illegal rave in the middle of East London. <laughs> yes, cultural partnerships for brands. They can work and sometimes they can go horribly wrong. But how can brands do it in a way that builds cultural capital and relevance? These were some of the questions that we put to Theo and Robin. I can safely say it's probably been one of my favourite episodes yet. We think our culture work ties into kind of creating core fans that are very much live and breathe your brand because you improve their lives. Yeah. Like your brand shouldn't just be a product. Like that's mm. kind of like something that you have that funds you to go off and yeah. <laughs> do yeah. some other cool shit. But, uh, do you know what I mean? All this and more coming up. How can brands genuinely align themselves with culture? Well, I think for us, the way we see it, it's kind of more than alignment, it's participation. Um, so I think when you think about um, kind of some of the macro business changes that happen at the top, you've got companies like BlackRock that manage $6 trillion worth of assets going, we only are going to invest into companies that put profit, uh, purpose over profit. Um, and then when you think about the fact they're building in kind of indicators to value companies on their impact on society for good, it's actually about actively participating in culture and improving the lives of their consumers as opposed to just trying to sell them more product and thinking about like what that kind of uh, bottom line looks like. Um, so for us, it's definitely a time where we see brands wanting to create cultural strategies. Um, and, you know, I don't think we would have been approached in the same way we're being approached now five years ago um, by brands who are going, actually, we do want to be part of culture. And it's kind of reiterating that actually it's more than just an alignment or kind of just a kind of affiliation or a relevance to that culture. It's actually playing a positive role within it um, and making a really good impact. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's an interesting point because like if we go back to our little like bit of backstory and like where we came from and stuff, which I'm sure you'll know Theo anyway. Yes, from, definitely. <laughs> from your clubbing days yeah. and like, <laughs> you've been to a few of our dark rooms. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's all going to come out in this podcast, yeah, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I saw you at the front left. It's actually an expose. Five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, when, when we were, so we were running just Jack and still still have that as a, as a sort of side hustle, I suppose, if you could count it as a side hustle. Massive club night. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we were kind of just pushing, we were just doing it for the love, like literally started in a 200 person basement, you know what I mean, in, in, in Bristol. And then that slowly, as we kind of like weirdly, we were just doing it because we loved the music and whatever else, but it's kind of developed and people liked it more and more and we needed more space and blah, blah, blah. And we kind of ended up, I mean, on our 10th birthday, uh, we didn't announce any artists and everybody bought tickets, which is just crazy. Like it's fucking mental really. Um, and that kind of 
is where the the concept that we are sort of working on at the moment, which is cultural capital, came from, is that like taking those 10 years to build up to a point where you deserve to be able to say, trust us as a brand. Because mm-hmm. it, it really mm-hmm. just jacks a brand, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? In so many senses and there's people behind it and stuff. But um, yeah, it takes it takes a while and it takes consideration. It takes like giving back to, ta- to the scene. It takes giving, taking risks. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? To get to that point, we were booking artists that people should never book it's a stupid idea but it worked do you know what I mean um, and it was nice to have on that uh, yeah on the 10th birthday people to go like fuck it yeah I'm going to come because we know it's you and we know you're going to do something decent and yeah. it also meant we could book some weirdos that we probably couldn't <laughs> have booked usually because, because 10 years ago as well you wouldn't have seen uh, for instance say brands like uh, Red Stripe and Red Bull and mm. uh, Johnny Walker I mean all, all drinks bands right now but other brands as well mm. you know partnering with people like boiler room and stuff like mm. that to sponsor like you know 10 hour garage sets and all of this yeah. and now it's like it's, it's really come across to this uh, you know the underground's always been cool obviously mm. but now brands more than any time in history that mm. I can yeah. think of are really mm. aligning with that yeah. on social I suppose yeah, yeah. So, absolutely I, I, th- I think kind of to your point Theo it's definitely it's definitely this sense of uh, just wanting to play a bigger part in their consumers lives but and I think there's a real we're in a really interesting space at the moment. It's really exciting and it's amazing for kind of the subcultures that kind of haven't had that support over the last 10 years. And we're seeing it really increase kind of their rate of de- development. Um, but the other the other flip side to that is kind of ensuring that all of the brand work that goes on is actually doing good and is sustainably kind of um, approached. I think there's this worry and cons- like concern that we have of kind of like, with saturation comes conflict and also comes an increased kind of realization that we're noticing and like we're seeing in the scene of like actually stopping going it's kind of like what people were doing with social media a bit recently going where is this actually as good as we thought it was mm. like it was the money was good mm. but actually are we just being used are we are we getting commoditized is our kind of is our art as such just being used for a corporate machine and that's where we start to see something's we've seen some things happen where like we've noticed that things haven't gone so right and some there have been some brand partnerships we think have just been incredible and really uplifted the scene and that's kind of I suppose that's where we come in and the work we try and do is actually about Mm. supporting and being part of the scene as opposed to kind of coming in and land grabbing or poaching it for your own short-term marketing objectives (laughs) it's it's literally like being on Brighton Pier and you go on one of those machines you know the hand grabbing machines and it's like look they're set to like one in 20 maybe one in 50 times you're gonna get that toy if you take from it do you know what I mean so it's like it's a it's a really simple method that um, needs a bit of consideration it needs a bit of time I think for brands to be in there going like how can we help and it is very much supporting rather than taking away and mm-hmm. that's that's essentially where I suppose we come in to help people understand how to do that do you know what I mean yeah when when it goes right then what what can this understanding of culture bring to brands who have like young audiences that are expecting that kind yeah. of connection I think it, I think it can build it can bring trust and that's you know it's so simple but I think sometimes it's good to try and strip away the bullshit and like ultimately that's what a lot of brands want to be building is trust with their consumers and yeah. being part of their lives to the point that they'll just will always buy your product because 
you mean something to them and they trust you. Um, and that's when if you're playing a real, if we think about some of the most cultural brands out there, they've all started from a subculture and they've all played a really integral part in that subculture. Mm. Like examples would be uh, Nike was like, they were just fanatical about making the best running shoes for runners. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And mm. they really fucking just played really hard in that scene and really kind of helped runners be the best they could be. And no surprise, they're one of the biggest and kind of strongest brands out there. Yeah. Mm. Um, DMs, again, in the kind of punk scene. Um, back in the day, they really kind of, the scene adopted them because they were just really there to kind of uplift that scene. Palace or Supreme, you know, they've all it's come nice. from mm. like very, very grassroots skate culture and just Massively. been part of that. I'm glad you brought up Nike, actually, as well, because um, we saw two things well over the past couple of years, mm. or probably last last year, actually, where you've got uh, Nike's Nothing Beats the London there, mm. and Puma, the work that they did with the, uh, you know, the trap phone and all of that, yeah. the house yeah. party mm. stuff. Two examples of brands aligning themselves to culture, you mm. know, again, the underground culture, mm. and one went really well and did amazing, probably with Candle Lines and Countless Awards, and one did really, really badly. <laughs> Yeah. What's the, what, 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 what would you say went on there and how can you touch on the risk involved? So, I mean, the really interesting, we always, whenever we're talking to anyone, it's about fucking insights, right? If you don't understand it, you need to learn it. Mm. Um, and most brands don't do that. And that's what always amazes me when we come in to do like chat to anyone. It's like, cool. So what do you know about this? Where did you find out that there was this problem that you need to solve or whatever it is? Um, which obviously Puma didn't go and check out that they needed to solve the drug trade in London. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Otherwise it would have you know, that would have brought out some interesting questions. But um, it's something that I think... Um, yeah, it's super, super important. We do it with you know we do it in Mon Monkey Shoulder at the moment, which is a, a whiskey brand. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like how how can a whiskey brand be in music? Like they shouldn't really because it's old, mm. right? Whiskey mm. is old inherently, but they're kind of taking a bit of a different stance to it. But we spoke to people in Manchester, Glasgow, London, like the real progressive end of like the music scene and everything else to find out exactly what they need before going out and being like, okay, this is the solution we're yeah. going to kind of provide. Mm. Um, and I think Nike do that as well. They did a massive study on, on why uh, females are getting out of sport between the ages of like, I think it was like seven and 14. There's like a massive drop off mm. of females in sport. And I, I, haven't actually seen the study, but my general feelings about it is it's probably something to do with the schooling system, like the way that that's kind of set up. Um, and I just love the way they've done that. And then they've taken that and they're, they're starting to work with people like Football Beyond Borders mm -hmm. down in London who are supporting kids to go out. I think they're actually starting some stuff in Manchester, so you should check it out. Mm, they're wicked, mm, like really, mm. really wicked. But they just help young kids who would be doing, you know, just things that they shouldn't be doing to play footy, but also help to learn how to be videographers or to do podcasts and do all of this other stuff. And that Nike are now starting to align themselves with them because they see the, the value and the understanding of all of their female players and stuff and trying mm. to get them to, mm. to stay in sport and not just drop off, you know? Yeah. I think, nice. you know, I think to your point, Rob, as well, it's like on the understanding tip is like you're going into culture and I think Culture is a word that obviously gets banded around the marketing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it can be so broad. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think people stop to think about what that really means. Yeah. Like culture, people's lives. It's how they interact with people. It's the music they listen to. How they yeah, identify. It means something like different to everyone. Absolutely. As well, it? It's it's a hope, their hopes, dreams, and fears, and it comes into their language. And I think you can't begin to be part of that culture unless you 
either are within it or if you're not within it, really understand it mm. like through and through. And then you can start to maybe position yourself within it because I'm just, I'm aware that with more brands going into the cultural space and trying to be cultural, consumers are getting better and picking out when it's done badly. Yes. Um, mm. As yeah. we saw with like, you know, some of the examples that you mentioned yeah. here, but... Do you know what yeah. that, yeah, building on that again, it's just like, it's really fucking simple, right? If your mate lies to you, you won't trust them. And it's the same with brands. Like when they try and make this facade and they basically make up this this sort of, um, that they're aligning with your culture, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. You see through it so quickly. And like KFC, <laughs> they've had a bit of a roller coaster <laughs> recently. Do you know what I mean? But Interesting there's to like, get your thoughts on that then, oh, yeah. Oh man, so... There's there's the the advert that I thought was really good that they did was like the CFC, KFD, all like chicken all shops the different around. chicken shots, which I thought was interesting in a sense that it was quite funny and tongue in cheek. How much effect that had, I'm I'm not sure, but. The, the stuff that they're doing now, like they did the um, advert at Ultra where they had like the Colonel come out and do a five minute set, like absolutely no value there to anybody. Mm. The music's not mm. good. At one point, I think they, uh, the voiceover said like, come on youth culture. You're like, fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like, for real? It becomes a parody. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's almost like they had like, in brackets on the script, like insert here. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Let's read it out. Um, <laughs> insert buzzword here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then they've just done their, their virtual influencer, which is like a little Michaela kind of thing of the Colonel, right? They've, oh, God knows how much money they've put into it. He's now taken over the Instagram account and whatever else. And it's That's like, mad. this is just a load of people sat in the, in the marketing industry or the, or the social industry going, this will be funny because we find it funny. Like, kids yeah. don't give a shit mm. about, like, your stupid, like, in-joke, do you know what I mean, marketing joke. They're just like, what the fuck is this? Mm. And it shows, I went on their Instagram today to have a quick look, right? You've got 1.4 million followers right on KFC and you've got 0.008% of people liking mm. the stuff that they're putting out really? like what's why are you fucking bothering <laughs> like it's so, yeah. so pointless that is a low engagement rate right you know what yeah. I mean yeah. like imagine if you if you went out and you were like oh yeah on a night out 0.008% of your friends actually listen to what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> probably true <laughs> <laughs> we're just like what? This relationship, my relationships are dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a good point. <laughs> and what, what what about in, in music as well? Mm. Um, because that is the big hot button, isn't it? Because uh, we'd, uh, we've got this sort of running joke where it's sort of like, oh, yeah, if you want to make it fly, make Stormzy appear on it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Stormzy do a rap for yeah. it or something like yeah. that, you know. And People just love Stormzy. Exactly, mm. yeah. You know, and he's such a cultural icon. But, yeah. but, but like, like you said, you know, especially where you guys specialise a lot of, as well, you're seeing brands aligning themselves with music. Um, what are the sort of nuances between the way brands work, should work with artists mm. and work with influencers? Mm. Because they're two very different things, aren't they? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think um, a really interesting thing we've picked up from speaking to artists recently is this growing sense of like, I'm not a mercenary. I'm not some. I'm not a gun for hire. I'm an artist. I'm yeah. a creative. Mm. I create art. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I sit alone in my studio, try like like paralyzed with anxiety around the art that I'm creating, and then that's helped me build this all these followers. And now someone's just kind of coming in and force feeding me their creative vision mm. for me to just spew out to my to my followers. Like they just don't want it. So like the best work we've done is when we've almost gone. It's funny, isn't it? When we're almost 
kind of take a step back from being creatively involved <laughs> yeah. and let the artists do the best work yeah. because mm. they understand their followers mm. better than anyone else. They're engaging with them every week. They're performing to them every week. A lot of them have personal relationships, like friendships with a lot of their fans. Um, so ultimately, like, who are we to advise on how you should speak to them? Mm. I think what we can do and what we do do really well is understand it, A, from the brand's perspective and help kind of steward steward rather than kind of suffocate that vision yeah so we move yeah. it into a space that's right for the brand and just make sure that we're sensitively creating enough touch mm. points so that it is effective for the brand mm. yeah um but ultimately we just kind of work as translators i think yeah because yeah. they're, they're speaking two different languages i suppose yeah, aren't they? when you've got brands and artists 100 yeah, yeah and, definitely and, and i feel like there's such a negative connotation around the word influencer these days yeah, as well it's when when it people who, <laughs> like unless you are like an influencer and you're proud yeah. of it people who yeah. uh, like maybe have a public mm. profile or like, are yeah. a public figure but aren't an influencer will hate yeah. being tired with that brush. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, I mean, something we think is quite interesting, this is something that we kind of use, uh, talk about in the back end quite a lot. And I think there's something that brands have to think about. It's not just about who's outwardly an influencer, but who's an influential person. Yeah. So we were chatting actually, uh, well, me and T on the train, I thought we might like this, that you're thinking about promoters in cities, right? So when you're going in and you're like, cool, I want to go and do a party in there. Um, and that's kind of when Red Bull first, started working with us they were like cool we want to do a party with you you come up with a creative you work out what you want to do we'll put some funding in we'll help amplify it etc 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 so we were as promoters we did it with uh, just jack we did a gallery uh, arnold feeney gallery mm -hmm. worked with bristol university with their like supercomputer to create this physics crazy physics display and like showing all the particles of the crowd moving cool. and shit like that yeah. it's it crazy and then <laughs> did something with stamp the wax as well mm -hmm. in a planetarium uh which came from julia a friend of ours who wrote a dissertation basically on cosmic jazz so it's like it was just a really um fresh way of working i think and what people forget and i think uh, well what brands forget and agencies forget and what red bull has done really well over the years is they've gone who are the important people okay red bull stocked in clubs okay we need to get the club promoters to be in on this mm. we need to get the mm. club owners to be in on this and they will have a hundred followers on fucking instagram yeah. <laughs> but they have millions of people coming through their doors mm. do you know what i mean and that's the, the real difference and they decide whether red bull is going to do a party there or bacardi does a party yeah. there yeah do you yeah. know what i mean so that like those influential people they they also decide who what artists are going to be there yeah more mm. influencers you know like on it's the like, ground do you think that's more valuable funny, than instagram um influencers on the internet I think if you want to be a cultural brand and play across, I mean, culture is more than just social media and it's really 360. So to be a cultural brand, you have to be a turning up on social media, of course, but you've got to be doing good, like good marketing work, but also you need to be present in cultural spaces, mm. right? Mm. So it closes the loop. So you really are actually engaged in that culture rather than culture as marketers see it, which is this kind yeah. of yeah. kind of weird kind of cloud yeah. vision that isn't very specified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if there's a good fit between um, what the arts are doing, so um, when, what you were chatting about earlier, when we did another Red Bull show and we had uh, Kate Bones, we paired her up with Awful Records, this rap crew from Atlanta, and we basically said, like, what do you want to do? How do you want to work it? Like, got those two together. Kate had this amazing idea of drawing over 
the top of some of the video clips that Awful Records have done. Awful Records are like videographers themselves and artists and stuff. So they were like, this is the dopest shit ever. Got them together, put it on Giphy, which arguably is a social channel in sense mm. and some sort of senses. Um, and I think that was in 2016, got 4 million views on it. Wow. Trended I mean? on Giphy and Instagram. On and yeah. It's just that example, isn't it, of like, you kind of step back a bit, you help steward it and ultimately put the creators together. And when they're, when they're really excited and authentically excited about the stuff they're putting out, mm. it'll, it'll blow. And, yeah. But do they mind that there's a commercial obligation attached? I mean, it depends on what... Uh, I think different people need different things and mm. that's what you have to be. There's so many nuances and what artists want mm. um, and need and that's where it's really important to speak to them when we're talking about this kind of like insights piece because some people need money some people want to use a platform, some people need studio time, you know, some people need clothes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There's just such a, a difference. And what happens a lot of the time is brands uh, and agencies will come together, they'll build an idea, slap it on the table in front of the artist, and the artist goes, that's a shit idea, I will charge you a shit ton of money for that. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, fine, I'll do it. But literally, like, I was chatting to my mate Rag, who's um, Seth Trox's manager, and I used to run Just Jack with back in the day. We're actually going tonight to see Seth's new R&S uh, album launch which is going to be really interesting yeah <laughs> really interesting um, and yeah he was saying literally he's like yeah if you want to do this idea I'll, you'll have to pay a shit ton of money for it because yeah. it's not something that we've come up with do you know what I mean internally mm. so there's definitely like a buy in and I think mm. the other sort of area that we try and we really try and push onto brands is about value exchange mm. and mm. that is not about having the balance needs to be really um sort of perfectly aligned mm. so you're not got you know if the, the idea is shit and the artist doesn't like it then it's going to cost you a lot of money you're going to have to mm. put a lot of coins on this side do you know what I mean yeah. whereas if you kind of align it up and the artist is involved and they're really hyped and the brand then doesn't have to pay as much mm. money but they it, will, you know but I mean? they will do it for yeah. a price, even if yeah, they don't like the 100%. idea and then you kind of get um, these smash and grab um, sort of tactics where you have an event or a social um, sort of uh, situation post etc that goes whoop like up a one off kind of thing the influencer would delete it as soon as they're they got mm. the opportunity to do it mm. because they're like, fuck this, I don't want this on my yeah. <laughs> on my Instagram feed. Do you know well, what, what I mean? What do the fans make of that then? Like if if it's just like a one-off thing and mm. it's something like you've said before, they'll probably notice a mile off as not being mm. like the yeah. kind of content that they're used to seeing from that artist. Mm. It just doesn't get the good good engagement. No. It doesn't it doesn't blow. And I think that's that's ultimately like we're there to help artists be the best they can be. Yeah. And that means exciting their fans and kind of we let them Kind of work out what that will what that'll be. I think an interesting thing we start to see in terms of the explosion of brands into the music space is that um, I think it's also kind of happened at the same time. There's been another kind of trend happening, which is it's never been easier to be independent as an artist. So mm -hmm. the, the the support structure in the music industry is phenomenal now to be independent. So you've got companies like Platoon, AWOL, Cobalt. Um, loads of crowdfunding platforms where you can raise money for projects. Mm. It's allowing artists to go and be independent. But that also means that it does come with this, this idea where they're like, actually, brands are a great way of funding creative projects. And yeah. independent artists are fearless and they are highly creative and they want to do creative projects and push the boundaries of kind of what's culturally possible. Mm. And I think that's a really interesting space where 
you know, we are seeing a lot of artists wanting to work with brands as a way to do that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they want to work with brands to just mm. push out content that yeah so they want to like risk their audience like for that sake but do Mm -hmm. do you find that it's getting harder to excite fans um with these brand partnerships with artists even if it is authentic because consumers are getting more and more cynical especially younger Mm -hmm. ones and i feel like sometimes especially if it's like an artist or like your background or like your culture scene consumers like everyone is so protective over that like they've got that ownership so even if something comes out that is really like well executed and authentic there's going to be a part of them that thinks oh I'm not sure about this have you found that I think it's value exchange isn't it it all comes Mm -hmm. down to what you kind of what's what's the trade-off if it's right for you as a consumer and it's what you want and it's actually culturally in tune the idea is culturally in tune it'll still resonate um we did uh which is mental we did a kind of um kind of grassroots football tournament last year and we really tapped into this kind of cultural sense that consumers or kind of fans didn't want they were just getting bored of always seeing artists on stage they wanted to actually go and play football with them it sounds so simple <laughs> go to a normal five mm. aside football pitch and play football with them. <laughs> that's a good concept like your five on a Thursday on a Thursday night and they, they didn't want to go to print works and to go to some massive flashy show that wasn't in line with their their normal experiences they wanted it to be on their level mm. and to be able to actually engage with 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 artists and and we got a, a massive amount of pickup on a tiny tiny budget mm. um and i think even today like we're still i think we were like proportionally like 30 40 percent higher than what kind of adidas tango league got mm. by way of signups mm. and that was a global project mm. but that was just tapping into something that consumers really wanted and mm. i think that's where those like i think there will be brand partnerships that die because it's not in line with offering value to consumers mm. or it's just another live show which is a bit boring but i think if it's genuinely an exciting creative project mm. that is in line with what those consumers want to see then it will it was it's still got that ability to kind of go viral and get that yeah. pickup. yeah and i think also like if you look at um i was chatting to a manager the other day and they were saying it used to be 50 percent touring this is where the money would come from 50 percent touring 50 percent record sales now record sales is like really really getting hammed down mm. it's now 50 percent touring 50 percent brands right and people don't have a if i if someone said to me jay paul would release an album but red bull's gonna put x amount of money into it i would be give him the fucking money <laughs> like <laughs> i want to hear that music yeah. like that's Definitely. the important thing yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. um but yeah, and it's yeah. I think it's important for culture for brands to take that space where governments dropping off, mm. yeah. take that space where art institutions aren't having haven't got so much money to put in. Do you know what I mean? They've got a really yeah. important role at the moment, and especially looking at RBMA's just shut down after twenty years. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? And that that I think there's there's a couple of things there that's interesting. One is maybe um, the alignment of the product has changed over 20 years um, and then brand fatigue of the RBMA brand itself, mm. which has mm. kind of led it into space. But fuck, there's now a great opportunity for someone else to come in and do something really, really yeah. important for culture. Mm. It reminded me um, to what you said about the fact that you'd love like Red Bull to give them the money so you can make that mm. new music. It's a bit like when we talked to Rich about um, sports sponsorships because yeah. people didn't used to like, well, mm. fan, football fans didn't yeah. used to like the fact that sponsors were yeah. Yeah. you know, sort of taking over. But mm. now more and more we're finding that they don't mind it because it means getting better players for the for the team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I suppose you only need to look at example like 
Umbro, for instance, who mm. sort of disappeared for 10 years and now yeah. they're like the coolest, you know, one yeah, of the coolest, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah. with the Nikes yeah. and Adidas now, yeah. aren't they? So it's, uh, I think there's interesting. A, just to, kind of just to your point, Rob, there's definite sense of like brands shouldn't be just doing the work that the culture does itself mm. anyway. So they shouldn't just be putting on more live shows for the sake of putting mm. on live shows. They should be trying to push the boundaries because that's what they're able to do. They're, mm. they're able to bring funding to kind of enhance the arts and like take things to a whole new level. And that's where the value comes in, right? Because that's the kind of stuff that traditional promoters, like that's definitely what one of the reasons we first got into the game was we were like, we don't have the funding to come up with mad ideas and make so them happen. So it's actually about taking things forward and innovating as opposed to just doing more of the status quo, which I wish we see all the time. And it's and we're trying to kind yeah. of challenge our clients to mm. kind of take things forward and be a bit more innovative. Stop, stop fucking stealing people's bookings. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you're trying to, like, it's, yeah. I, was, I spoke to someone uh, ages ago in London about the, at the Hydra about this idea I had for Red Bull. Because, like, we always sense check all our ideas with the community that we're going to go work in, mm. whether it's mm. festivals. This is in, you know, in pitch stage, we'll go and call every festival and be like, that's on the, the lineup that they're saying, you know, this brand saying they want and just be mm. like what do you actually need like what's what's the fucking game do you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah. um but yeah, it's, there's there's a real issue with brands coming in and doing these big events, and essentially they get these amazing artists to come and play. They pay them a shit ton of money, of money right, which mm. pushes the prices up for promoters in that city. Because now the agents like, well, I just got twenty five grand from those guys. Like, right, what are you going right. to give me? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So there's almost a bit of infighting, even with the promoters, is kind of seeing this and they're sort of saying, oh, it's, it's an issue for them, of- and they're they're the people again who are going to decide where, what brands are in the club. So you've got to keep everybody like in this kind of happy space. Like uh, One Star Hotel, I think, is a real classic example of that. Like, dope idea, dope execution, like, really well done, Mm. amazing lineup. Um, Like, Grace did a really good job at like picking the right people for it, but where the fuck is it now? Yeah. Yeah. Where's the like One Star Hotel kind of like, um, I don't know, online activation? What are they doing with Princess Nokia? Like, it sounds like culture's being squeezed from both ends <laughs> yeah, in a way, yeah, though, if, yeah. if I'm being honest. One, one, one thing I do want to put to you, um, obviously, both of yourselves being based mm. in London, mm. do you do you get to, because the outward perception of this from other people would be, well, it's a London thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. uh, it's an East London thing. Why yeah. why does, uh, you know, X brand comes along and why do they need to reach people in Manchester mm. and Glasgow when mm. they can reach the same population, mm. you know, in East London on Brick Lane and Shoreditch and whatnot. Yeah. Do, you, do you find that from brands and just say, don't, you know, don't worry about Glasgow, don't worry about Manchester. We just yep. want to focus on this area of Shoreditch. Interestingly, I think we've like we've been chatting to kind of a couple of brands recently about plans. And actually what's been great is they are picking out cities outside of London. Right. Which is amazing. So like uh, Monkey Shoulder were up in Manchester and Glasgow, recently responded to a pitch for a brand that again was London, Manchester, Glasgow. And, you know, there's a definite sense in which it isn't totally seen to be a London thing, mm. um, but that's not, I think there's more work to be done. I think, and there's, you know, there are some really good agencies out there that are commissioning work around the kind of cultural scenes outside of London mm. as mm. with a view to basically, you know, helping to bring stuff kind of out of this, out of the metropolis. This is like, like that KFC thing would have been like someone in London in an ivory tower thinking that they know what everybody needs. And yeah. like, it's yeah. exactly the same problem. You need to go out and chat to people. You need to be in all those areas. Like Manchester's got some dope ass artists coming through and, and, and live at the moment. Do you know what I mean? And, and they're creating their own scenes. They've got stuff mm. that there's scenes that come from like, if you look 
look at Bristol Trip Hop, for example, do you know what I mean? That was built there and then came and was global. Do you know what I mean? So there's all these amazing things coming through. You look at like what Nightwave's doing in mm. Glasgow. Mm. You know, mm. there's just, it's, um, there's so much good shit out Almost there, Almost put somebody yeah. in those places, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Well, this is kind of like, so the best brands we've worked with, they have people on the ground in those cities and people who, especially if you're talking about music, are in the music scene, they're DJs, they're artists, they're promoters. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And they will be the point people that when you go to that city, so difference between a large vodka brand that I'm sure we all know full well uh, who it is, probably the largest vodka brand in the world, um, and Red Bull, for example, is Red Bull have people in those cities very much on the ground. This other vodka brand, they write their strategy from the US and then they ping it over and their sales manager, who is lovely, really nice guy, um, isn't into music and isn't into that stuff. So when we were, mm. I was brand manager at Motion and they came to us and they were like, cool, we got these amazing activations. It's going to be so dope, blah, blah, blah. And it ended up, right, Mo, you know Motion, right? Yeah. Underground yeah. club, Another pretty big dirty, club like big still, warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> okay, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go sometime, we'll go, yeah. to, we'll go soon. Um, and they gave us a bed in the middle of the dance floor with a pillow fight on it. Why? Sure. Exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Why? The room you know has I mean? just sort of gotten uh, really confused. Yeah. Also, haven't we? <laughs> it's just, yeah, it just doesn't doesn't make sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's um, let, let's um, touch on to social as mm. well, um, because this is well, this is something that you've spotted this morning uh, through our research. We noticed that you guys have come off Facebook. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, <laughs> don't need it. Don't need it. It's like I, I hardly ever use it. I think it's a dying platform. The only thing I do use it for, which is really interesting, is um, dark social music groups. So mm. that is particularly based around um, finding new music, chatting about the scene, chatting about. We also, to be honest, we feed a lot of things into there, asking people how they feel about brands and how they feel about artists and things like that. And I think that that dark social element with WhatsApp groups, um, even starting with Slack channels now, mm -hmm. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? And Facebook is like really, really integral because you can get some, mm. you can garner some really strong, real insights mm. from that because it is a tight net group. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But for me, the pr the problem that I have with social media and everything that's going on with it is it you can live and die by it, right? So one of the big things for us is to um, try and get brands to start building their own cultural IP. And that's what we did with mm. um, the football tournament. It was called yeah. Clash of Titans. But the real, real important thing is that I think brands should move into a space in the future where they are owning basically the space. So it's not like yeah. uh, um, Aristoph, uh have to go to boiler room right to go and get the big numbers and everything mm. else it's mm. like Aristoph own and build that platform that lives in culture yeah. do you know what I mean because no one can pull the rug out from under you in that yeah, case exactly. what, what was the last straw before you guys decided to take Warm Street off Facebook because you're still on Instagram I say we are, yeah. but we're also re reworking that <laughs> 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 well, again, it, again it's, it, it kind of ties to that point of like trying to offer tangible value. I'm going to be honest, no one really cares about what goes on in our office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not adding any value to culture. And I think when we have some more time, one thing Rob and I have been discussing is let's create a channel that actually is part of its own, you know, documents culture in its own interesting way. So that could be amazing 90s rave flyers and we just run a channel like that and it's not 
it's just something we're passionate about. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. And actually, it's you and people come to it because they want to consume that 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 content, right? As opposed to us pushing out stuff that we think is important that really I don't think anyone really cares about. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that's yeah. the thing about social media and brands and agencies and everything else is this kind of like um, self-absorption that people should care about what you're doing. And it's like, yeah. we're not here to put Warm Street on stuff that's out there happening with brands and artists. We're there to be in the background, making sure that everything runs really, really well. Yeah. I think it's so true. It's like you, you touched on earlier, saying like the audience doesn't necessarily understand what you think is funny, mm. that you're marketing inside. And I think that's yeah. where a lot of um, brands and marketers can fall short sometimes, is just mm. assuming that people care about mm. their brand as much as they care about their yeah. brand. Yeah. That's what we all say, isn't it? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. An interesting one was um, I was in a meeting and you know, someone, a client asked, we bought kind of one of our more mem- like someone who heads up one of the networks in our youth crew, and he came along. So I was like, well, "What do you think about my brand?" And I could see that he was just kind of like trying to work out what he felt about the brand, but didn't really have a strong opinion either which way, because mm. not that many people do, right? Yeah. Um, and but obviously to them, they, they obviously are so absorbed in it, they've got a really strong viewpoint mm. on what the brand stands for, and you know, and it just had, yeah. didn't have that connection. From the consumer, you think mm. about how many brands clamour for your attention. Mm. How are you ever going to have a strong, informed, nuanced opinion about yeah. like yeah. a load of them? You know, you might yeah. have a few, and I kind of think that's where that's where we think our culture work ties into kind of creating core fans that are very much live and breathe your brand because you improve their lives. Yeah. And we see that kind of improvement taking place at like a cultural level. Yeah. Um, like your brand shouldn't just be a product. Like that's mm. kind of like something that you have that funds you to go off and yeah. <laughs> do yeah. some other cool shit. But, uh, do you know what I mean? And then there's a real emotional connection that you can create there. But there's, I mean, I think it was the same meeting. There was quite a funny point where they were like, oh yeah, so we've got, you know, we're spending like 90% of the budget or whatever on uh, TV. And the guy was like, why the fuck are you putting it on TV? None of my mates watch TV. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like you're wasting your money. And, that, and you know, we could go on about how media buyers work and how corrupt that is in itself of just like, well, whoever gives me the biggest kickback, I'll, I'll take that, you know, yeah. go down that route, whether it's right for my client or not. Do you know what I mean? There's like, I think we, what's really interesting or what we'd like to do is change the way the marketing industry works as well, which I think is kind of where you lot are at as well, which is kind of why we wanted to come because we respect like what you're doing. But yeah. It's that kind yeah. of punk mentality of just being like, there's all these old people who've been in the game for ages who are doing like old stuff and, they, and, they, and they're working without transparency. You know, you see blockchains coming through. That is all about transparency and it's all about just being like, what is fair? Mm. Um, and that hasn't been the case, especially on the media buying side of things. Like, I even hate the thought that you go to clients and the general thing in the industry is that you charge someone out at one rate and then you pay, you charge them more to the client. It's like, you ch- it's, it's, there's just this hidden difference. Why can't you just go and be like, look, my fees are this, it's expensive, but mm. we'll do exactly what we say on this list. It touches on, it touches on something that we brought up in the podcast uh, a few weeks ago um, where we were saying, you know, the sun's not going to print newspapers that say, oh, you know, new pa- newspapers are dead. Nor is mm. the TV going to show TV mm. adverts that say, yeah. "Oh, nobody's watching TV yeah. anymore." Yeah. And it's, uh, I suppose, our agency line is, is we go where the attention is, and I suppose yeah. we're mm. sort of talking a similar language there. Yeah. With that, uh, 
I want to get your sort of, because what you were talking about earlier was almost like a sort of this democratization of sort of content and social media. So the, Facebook, for instance, they're doing it with groups where, you know, people, it's like a one big Reddit page, isn't it? Where yeah. people post their own content. Mm. Mm. You're seeing that become more of a sort of sustainable direction for social media with mm. regards to what you do. Well, I think I think social media was just exploded and became so big. And then it's almost as kind of been a bit of an implosion where people are looking for meaning on social media itself. So mm. they align themselves mm. with particular groups. Well, and that extends from Facebook groups to like snap groups to, you know, Instagram kind of threads. And, and then also goes on to kind of WhatsApp. So, you know, we've noticed like loads of lo loads of young consumers are kind of coming along these kind of spines of just interest-based social media groups mm. where they can talk about what they're interested in yeah. and share yeah. stuff. Things and like niche down. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. It, it, it definitely ties into the cultural mm -hmm. piece of like, you have to do stuff. Social media is just word of mouth, right? Digital word of mouth. So you have to do stuff to inspire mm. that. And that, you know, in kind of to, to, kind of to your point, Eve, um, earlier in terms of like consumers being a bit suspicious of brand activity and artists, well, that's where we want to take things further and like actually do actually create stuff for culture that gets consumers talking about it. And then that conversation happens mm. on dark social and in yeah, those yeah. channels. Which delves back to curation, which is like you see it all over the place. Like the real basic examples is Netflix. Do you know what I mean? Of like curating this thing. They even curate the pictures that you see. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah. so you'll see a different picture and you'll see a different mm, picture to yeah, how, yeah. how I see Got it, right? a bit of trouble for that, haven't they? Yeah. Some yeah. adverts and stuff. Yeah, yeah they've heard things, uh, different trailers go into different demographics and yeah. stuff like really? that. But yeah, so. Interesting. Mm, really interesting. But I, I think if you look at Boiler Room as well, they're starting to curate what they're putting because they've got to saturation with all the content and yeah. stuff. Yeah, so nice what stuff. is really interesting about social media is it's self-curation. Self do you know what I mean? Like mm, it's mm. like the people have decided that actually yeah, you know, you, I don't want to see another dog like, or another. Like dictate how your you know algorithm I mean? works and like the content. Yeah, you're exactly. Which how, is, yeah. How do you answer questions to to your brands? Who will? How do you answer questions about dark social, for instance? Mm. What What is your recommendation for utilizing that? Because every because we hear about dark social and it is you know in effect. Uh, you know, two people on WhatsApp saying, oh, have you seen a super cool party the Red Bull throwing? Mm. But Red Bull have got no way of tracking that conversation, have yeah. they? It happens, you yeah. know, underground. Yeah. So, well, this, um, I, th I was just about to talk about, <laughs> I work with Tom Dickens, but. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. was going to say that as well. I mm. think it's about, it's trying to get away from vanity metrics, right? So it's about counting numbers and ultimately that skews what you're trying to do. It's actually about, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time building a framework that kind of tracks cultural indicators. Mm. And that may not necessarily be like three, you know, 30,000 views on a on one kind of Instagram post. It It's generally a bit more nuanced. It's have particular, you know, publications picked you up, for example. And they're quite, quite nuanced just to those publications or, you know, actually how are people within the scene talking about the thing you're doing? Um, and that will always tie into kind of whether there's hype around it, which kind of ties into your point about yeah. mm -hmm. two people coming together and just going, have you seen it? And it's about tracking cultural hype as opposed to, you know, trying to actually see that on social mm -hmm. media as, mm -hmm. you know, 
yeah. a couple of digits or figures, which, to be honest, generally gets boosted out by having to spend loads of money promoting it. So. <laughs> do you know, this is it. It's like, why you put media... Why do you have to spend 80% of your budget on media spend? Just do something decent. Yeah, yeah. 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 A, big, a big part of it, like, we're trying to move away from vanity metrics yeah. as well as yeah. much yeah, as possible, massive. but a, a big part of it... <laughs> it's like virality. Yeah, just, yeah uh, another buzzword. Become a unicorn, off. you know what I mean? But when it comes to working with brands and they want to see a return on investment, it can be so hard to measure word of mouth uh, and measure mm, conversation yeah, mm, in a way yeah. that they can understand. Yeah, have you yeah. have you found that that's difficult? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think there's a real sense, and I think this is it's an interesting one. I think when we think about culture and marketing, um, there's, there's a real tension that happens actually because the framework that the marketing world uses to understand success isn't the same framework that the culture uses to understand success. So marketers get judged on okay, how much uplift in sales did you get in this area in mm. the last three months because you did this activation, which kind of skews what you do. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be more cultural because of that. Yeah. Um, culture is, is a much bigger piece, and to be cultural, that is a, like, it's a longer-term investment. It's not something that's realised over, mm. over a quarterly like, report on your, mm. <laughs> that you present to your kind of yeah, superiors yeah. In, the, in the brand marketing team. But the, the brands that you work with, say, will they come to you and say, our end goal is to be a part of culture or is their end goal to sell more of their product as a result of being part of culture? Ultimately, it's got it's always got to link back to commerce. Yeah. And that's mm. what we, we have to link it back to some kind of commercial output. Mm. Um, what tends to happen is we link it to things like um, kind of a key account acquisition because that's a direct thing that you've got a account that, or a club, for take an example of a booze band, a club has chosen to stock you because you've been doing this amazing cultural work mm. and that's really helped you be placed within the scene. And obviously you're making money because you're being stocked in the in that mm. in that bar yeah. or, or that club. I paid for marketing basically yeah, by, by the yeah. clubs. Absolutely. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah um, of course. I want to end on a bit of uh, sort of future casting because yeah. uh, mm. we've, sort of, we've sort of discussed this in bits and pieces, but you've now got uh, albums being created by AI. You've mm. got yeah. algorithm <laughs> raves. Like you've got yeah. all of this crazy yeah. stuff. Um, what else have you got? I'm just trying to think. You've all, all manner of crazy that stuff going on. That rave on Fortnite, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah Fortnite rave, stuff like mm. TikTok. Yeah. What does the future of everything we've spoken about look like through Warm Street's eyes with regards to tech and all sorts yeah i mean it's this is something that we work out every day is like working <laughs> out the future fortunately if you work in the underground you're two three years ahead of everybody else right <laughs> so <laughs> it's quite it's an interesting space it's always hard to tell which uh subcultures or, or which areas in the underground are going to blow and that's why when looking at that, we always suggest that you take a role, same as a trader does, where you basically spread your risk over a number of portfolios, mm -hmm. right? So you kind of look at, okay, cool, I'm going to hit into the UK jazz scene. I'm going to hit into the, you know, underground techno scene. I'm going to move into, you know, a bit of Elro kind of like tech house vibes, you know, all of these different areas and then see which one then starts to work up into this um, yeah, it sort of takes itself into the mainstream and that's then where you can, what, yeah, sort of spend your, take your media spend and do it effectively mm. rather than just scattergun in and getting 0.008%. Yeah, that, just for the sake of jumping But I trend. think the, the key thing for us is artist independence, which you spoke yeah, about absolutely. earlier. Like that's a huge thing, like shout out to Dave and mm. shout outs to Andy and AJ Tracy, who just 
smashed it. Do you know what I mean? Like really, really good. I think blockchain is going to play a big, big part in transparency on the media buying side. Um, on To your point, actually, on the blockchain tip, mm. I think a really interesting thing, which obviously kind of ties into social media as well, is like artists don't actually own the communication channels with their mm. fans. Mm. It's mental. When you actually think about that concept, they have to pay to reach their own fans. Yeah. So a blockchain project that kind of allows like peer-to-peer direct access between fan and artist that is no that no intermediary owns it or is trying to leverage that connection is going to explode and really? do really, really well. It was a demand for that at the minute. For. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing will be, of course, you'd, you need pioneers to jump onto the other side, right? Yeah. And, of course, if you kind of need that distribution thing of, like, the market's got to be made so that people are on there. Mm. But I just think that's where it will, people start to compete because it's – we're getting into an age, I think anyway, that people are trying to be more transparent, fairer. Mm. And that's why, you know, you've seen that blockchain kind of revolution just yeah. take off. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll be a really interesting space. Yeah, definitely. And there's, there's a really good quote, uh, which I'm going to have to make sure I get this right, but I always use it, which is the future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. Mm. So it's that's definitely like you really need to look at stuff that's going on now, do you know what I mean? And stuff that's coming through and then kind of collate all of those different insights and all of those scenes that are rising up and think like, okay, where is this going to go? Because mm. it's like, you know, grime that was sort of massive over the last few years. Uh, you could have spotted that seven years ago, you know, after it had its first rise and then come down and, you know, risen up again. Yeah. Um, but the, the really interesting stuff, especially if you look at music, is it's cyclical. So generally when you get something like Grimes come through and it's very political, very uh, much about social change, really like, um, cam- like the beats are quite... A- like aggressive and punchy and like whatever else you get this light-hearted moment afterwards where people are like oh a bit of afro beats that are like <laughs> do you know what I mean just like let's level it out so I, I think the afro beats scene will, will bring up there's a really strong uh, Jamaican scene coming through that isn't being pigeonholed into dancehall um, and mm. reggae which mm. is really dope so coffee I think is going to mm. smash it shouts to Saf the Safi for putting us onto coffee but yeah. um yeah, there's going to be this sort of more fun, summery, you know, kind of music that's going to come through next. And then again, it will come around to this cyclical thing of like, oh, this is too much fun. Let's yeah. take it to minimal. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mal- so Malibu, if you're listening, there you go. Start preparing now. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, yeah. I think in terms of kind of short term, in, like interesting cultural spaces to watch out for, I think, um, you know, kind of uh, northern and kind of Western Africa is exploding musically, mm. um, which is incredible. There's just the festival scene there is just like rife. It's rife isn't a, good, isn't a very good word, is it? Like there are festivals setting up all the time, and mm. it's fu- it's really exciting. We've seen it echoed kind of also in Nigeria and Lagos. Skeptics mm. out there doing his homecoming festival. Mm. And the music industry there is predicted to grow by kind of 20% mm, every year yeah. for the next two or three years. Yeah. It's wow. the same with us in social, I suppose. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. looking to these emergent markets, what's mm. happening in India and so on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's, Nigeria's, uh, I think it's 60% of the population's under 30 and the average age is 18. Do you know what I mean? So it's like the youth are basically driving that country. Do you know mm. what I mean? Whereas I think maybe over in the UK, it's a bit of a different vibe when, wow, you saw with, Brexit fuck up do you know what I mean where it's just like loads of people outside of um, yeah sort of bigger towns and maybe a little bit older who are 
sort of voting the, what I would consider the wrong yeah. way. That's a good place, that's <laughs> a good place to end on though as well. Like international brands, you know, don't just look at your, you know, homegrown sort of millennial audiences. Yeah, look definitely. A, look, Emerging look markets as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Definitely. We'll wrap up there, guys. Awesome. But thank you so much. Nice one. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Thank you. That's wicked. Nice one. Mm. Sound. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. <laughs> <laughs>